Welcome to the Cracking the Growth Code podcast, where we explore practical growth and leadership insights to take you and your organization to the next level. I'm your host, Matt Zimbruski, and I'm pleased to have as my guest today, Jeff Ballard. Jeff is the Alliances and Partner Growth Leader for Aerospike, the world's leading real-time data platform powering mission-critical applications at the world's most innovative companies. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate being on. Jeff, just to get things started, you and I had a chance to meet briefly, but our, just to introduce yourself to our audience, can you take a moment, just introduce your company, your role there uh, to our listeners, what you're passionate about right now in the market? Yeah, so you explained Aerospike fairly well. Appreciate that. Um, we're a Northern California-based company, uh, software company, as you said, it's a database um, you know, for, for the toughest use cases as well as everyday you know, financial, retail, ad tech, and other types of organizations use us for fraud management, identity management, uh, financial trades, and a bunch of other stuff where speed of response and reliability are critical, especially over uh, massive amounts of data. So that's Aerospike. That's kind of what we do. Uh, and as you said, my role is I lead the Global Alliances and Partner Program. I work with our different geographies uh, to recruit and develop partners. Um, I work on the alliances side to um, recruit and develop partners that are in the technology stack along with us. So I work with a wide range of companies from AWS and HPE all the way to systems integrators and uh, consultants and, and other um, types that provide services around the Aerospike offering. Um, in terms of what I'm most passionate about, boy, that, that's an easy one. Um, it's why I'm in this role. It's about helping partners grow their business. Um, I've been doing this for you know over the over the last ten years of my career, um, doing it in um, South Africa with a distributor called EOH. Uh, then I spent quite a bit of time with um, IBM uh, prior to Aerospike, and then coming here. And it's all been around how can I help partners grow their business selling a particular solution? And in this case, it's our database. That's fantastic. That's so important about the, uh, you mentioned, we talk about partner marketing and working with channel partners. It sounds like the um, the relationships are really important to you with the people and with the companies who you're, who you're partnered with, because you really, you mentioned multiple times, you really want to see them grow. You want to see them succeed with your solution offering, with Aerospike. Yeah. I mean, my career, that's a very long career. I'm not going to tell you what year I started, um, but it's a long career having worked in all facets of marketing, helping software companies, hardware companies um, grow their business. And I've done product marketing, marketing communications, and industry marketing. But it's when I got into partner marketing that I just, I found a niche because I was able to pull everything from my background, all my experience, and be able to work with organizations um, to help them grow their business. And quite often, these partners don't have systems integrators, um, value-added resellers. They typically don't have marketing discipline. So being able to help those companies um, be able to identify and, and recruit and develop customer base, um, I really enjoy doing that. So let's talk on, on this uh, podcast, we talk a lot about leadership and growth. And you've been talking about just, you have obviously a very good sense of, of how you're interacting with the companies, but to paint the picture for our audience, how do you define, uh, you, you just hinted at, you know, growing 
customer bases and expanding, you know, the companies I'm guessing you're talking about like revenue, sales, profit, like the, the businesses. Uh, right. But how do you define, um, how do you measure growth and success in your partners that you're marketing with, that your, your, your partner organization? What are you looking for? Well, I mean, it all comes down to the almighty dollar, right? I mean, we're all looking to, as an organization that I work for, we're looking to drive revenue through a channel. So for us, it's about helping those companies build a pipeline. So we tend to look at opportunities that they have, that they're working, you know, building out that pipeline, and then how effective are they at closing deals and driving revenue. Um, and also the benefit too of working with a channel organization is getting a reach beyond what our regular sales organization can get. So new logos also tends to be uh, an area that we look at with our partners. That, that's, uh, that's, that's exciting. I love business and I love these topics that we're getting into. And I know that um, nobody does it alone. I'm assuming that you have a team there that you work with and helps you, you uh, execute on, on all this. Is that right? Oh, 100%. Um, even when I was an individual contributor, um, it's always about teamwork and getting people to to help contribute to the cause, whether that's other marketing, my marketing colleagues, um, whether it's sales organization or the technical organization. Um, it's always a team effort to to work with partners. So let's talk about when you're um, when you, you've been over there for um, a little bit of time now, not a long time, I think, but like a couple of years I, now. Yeah, I come up on uh, three years at the end of next month. So, yeah. so when when you came in with there, I'm <clears throat> I'm curious about the uh, the personal dynamics of the situation. When you came in, was there already a team fully built? Has the team stayed the same? Did you have to hire in new team members based on you know your fit and cultural fit and things? Walk us walk me through that a little bit. Yeah, it was it was interesting because not only was it a dynamic of coming into a new organization, I was coming in from IBM, a large enterprise organization, massive, obviously, into a company that was relatively in the in the startup stage. They've been around for a number of years, but still, it's a startup mentality type of organization. So I went from a few hundred thousand to um, just over a hundred people. <laughs> so it was quite a different dynamic. Uh, the framework that I had built out there, I knew that that model would work in this environment. So coming in, set the foundation of, of how we were going to build out the partner program. And what was interesting is um, when I got hired on or during the interview process, um, the, the gentleman who was hiring me said, oh, yeah, we've got a partner program. We just launched it. All the pieces are there. Great. So hired on day one, I'm like, okay, where's this? Where's that? Where's this? Well, we only we haven't really built it out yet on the back end. <laughs> I said, oh, okay, great. Um, so the good news is I had that kind of in my bag of tricks and I was able to build out a program. But looking at what it looked like um, for Aerospike, um, we had, uh, uh, there was a contractor that was in place that got assigned to me and I was working with her quite a bit. Um, she helped with the transition, helped with, you know, I knew where she was able to tell me where some of the bodies were buried, what kind of transpired, how they got to that point. So I knew I wouldn't step on landmines or I knew areas that I could, could improve upon. So it was an interesting dynamic and just having that foundation of a model for partner marketing or a partner program 
really helped me transition into um, a smaller entity like Aerospike. That's a really exciting, that's a big transition. That's like a hundred X shift, like hundred thousand employee yes. organization to a hundred person. Yes. Um, that's, that's pretty dramatic. And it's amazing. I'm sure, I'm sure there were a lot of things in addition to what you just shared that you had to pivot on and shift to sort of like downsize or expedite or fast track your, your model. Right. Well, the, the good news for me is with, even though I was with IBM and there's, you know, several hundred thousand people employed there, uh, I was an individual contributor. And the program that I built out, I had to rely on um, <laughs> I, IBM. They, they love to invent words. And one of the words I picked up was tin cupping. I didn't know that could be a verb, but I think we all understand what that means. So I really had to go out and tin cup for dollars, tin cup for resources, um, and so I was an individual contributor. So coming into this environment, it wasn't like I was going, oh, well, I need so-and-so to do this or so-and-so to do that. I could do it myself. So that helped with that kind of transition. But yeah, it was it was definitely a different dynamic for sure. So and when you say tin cupping, you're referring to the movie? Is that, <laughs> that, are you no. referring to something, something else? Because the first thing that comes to my mind is the movie, but I'm guessing you don't want to replicate that behavior. Yeah, no, not not that tin cup. No, it, it's, you know, the uh, panhandling. You're out looking for ah. money. You've got your tin cup out and you're trying <laughs> to uh, to get funds. So, yeah, I, I always thought that was an interesting use of the word, tin cupping. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, and a lot of people, uh, especially today, today's market, are trying to do um, more with less, right? With less money, with less people, but try to get more done. And that, that I hear this is a recurring theme in a lot of conversations. Are you are you still at that stage now? A couple of years down the path with with Aerospike, or are you uh, have a little bit more freedom of of uh, budget, hiring capacity, and and things like that? Um, well, you know, you look at market conditions today, and and really that 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 doing more with less is more important than ever. Um, and every time I hear that phrase, I wonder who is this guy less and how does he get so much done? Um, but yeah, that that's exactly what what we're doing, you know, um, in this tight economy. Um, you know, Zuckerberg talked about 2023 being the year of efficiency. Well, we're definitely seeing that moving into 2024. And how do we be more efficient? How can I grow our partner program with the same or maybe even fewer resources, depending on how we're looking at things. Mm -hmm. So the next question I have for you, and maybe you just answered it, but is, is what do you see as the biggest challenge facing your industry today or facing, whether it's your company or facing partner marketing in general, you know, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Is it efficiency? Is it something else? Um, it's, it's definitely the, the crazy market, you know, for, especially for technology, it impacts, um, in so many different ways, it impacts us as an organization and impacts our partners and impacts our customers and how we engage across that whole um, channel right there. Um, you know, everybody is is looking at what's the market doing? How do we make a play? Um, you know, the IPO market has kind of dried up. Invest, investment market has really stagnated um, and companies are kind of pulling back. And that's probably the biggest challenge 
Um, you know, one of the things that that we see is dollar where everybody's competing for the same dollars, and it's not just IT dollars necessarily. Um, so that's probably the biggest factor is how do we go out and compete for those for that spend within the customer within the corporate customer. It's interesting. I'd imagine that um, because the economy or the the market conditions are facing everybody, your customers and your own company as, as well. And they need to invest in in the business relationship. And you're talking about growing revenue through the partner channels and so forth. I'd imagine that um, it would it would relate to um, helping them, showing the business case for Aerospike being the company that can help them bring in the most uh, new revenue, top line dollars, et cetera, because they're working with your solution, with your support, et cetera, which is going to help them because they have the same prop, the same challenge, right? They have the same challenge. Right. How can they? How can they grow their company um, maybe through a partner channel with Aerospike versus trying to do it all on their own, right? Like they're, I'm trying to get at the point, like um, I'd imagine that it's better for them to partner with uh, a good company like Aerospike versus try to do it on their own. And then maybe it's just a competition between you and the other, the other partners that are out there. Is that, how does that relate to the situation? Yeah. So one of the things that some of the value proposition that we have is being able, it is that whole notion of being able to do more with less, being able to, to manage more data, respond faster and do it with fewer server servers, fewer resources, which means less money and less management. So those are the types of things that we position with our solution partners um, to help them understand, here's the value that we bring. And we have use cases where companies are running literally thousands of, of servers, you know, machines around the world to, to drive their data, to drive their business. And when they implement our product, we, they can actually reduce the amount of servers down to a few hundred. Um, wow. You know, so it's it's an amazing ability to, to drive that efficiency to help customers do more with less. But that's the value then that our partners, our solution partners can bring to the table for their customers to be able to help them uh, streamline services, get greater cost of ownership. And then one of the messages, too, that's starting to be a big uh, factor is sustainability as companies look at their carbon footprint and some of the other kinds of contributions and and the, um, the regulations that are coming about, being able to address those regulatory, be in compliance with regulations. Um, those are some things that we're starting to talk about now. So that efficiency, there's cost factor, and then there's also sustainability factor. So on on the, on the to that point, there's probably a number of solution partners that you work with, depending on what the what the client needs, I'm guessing, right? Or, or is it just a core... Um, is it all Aerospike? Well, for the, the types of partners that we're working with, like I said, they're value-added resellers, they're systems integrators, uh, they're consultants. And these are organizations that tend to be regional in focus or maybe on the systems integration side, you can have large scale, you know, like the McKenzie's, Deloitte's, Accenture's, et cetera. Um, but for the most part, we're working with those regional organizations that can help us get to the end customer. And that's really where I talk about, you know, the channel provides greater reach than mm -hmm. what our sales organization can have sometimes. Um, so it's those kinds of partners being able to set them up for success. And that's where I tend to focus in at. How can I get them 
enabled on our product. They understand how to implement our product, how to sell our product. And then we do the marketing. We do demand generation to help them find customer or more customers to talk to. Yeah, it sounds it sounds like a, a brilliant, uh, I'm not in that space, but just I'm asking you a lot of these questions from the outside. It sounds like a brilliant opportunity for the, 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 the partners that you're looking to partner with because they get to partner with you they get to leverage. You're talking about, um, you know, more reach. You're talking about uh, faster processing, which is so important right. uh, in, in today's world, especially everything keeps going faster. And uh, you also mentioned that uh, fraud management is one of the areas. I have some experience in that area, and I know how important the speed is in that space. We all, all of us have. Everybody listening has a credit card, and we've all been in situations probably before where you know there's a hold on it because there's a, a fraud suspected for some reason. Sometimes it's real, maybe it's not. But those banks respond and, and what and all the integrators, they're responding, they have to respond in like seconds or minutes or whatever. It's very, very fast. So um, um, the response is actually in in milliseconds, hundreds wow. of milliseconds, microseconds. Wow. And what I can tell you is I would <laughs> I I would put down a bet with you that you have an application on your phone that's utilizing Aerospike in the background for wow. fraud management. A hundred percent. Just the the types of customers that we have, um, unfortunately, because of their you know the nature of their business, we're not able to talk about them. But I can tell you, you're going to have some applications on your phone that's utilizing Aerospike. Um, one that I can talk about, for example, is Wayfair. Uh, Wayfair is utilizing us. So as you're going through and you identify, oh, here's a really cool lamp, um, and you start seeing, hey, here's some other lamps you might be interested in. Being able to provide that to push that information out at that precise moment is vital for companies yes. like Wayfair, and that's what that's what we do. Um, we help Wayfair do that. So that that's one of the more critical aspects, and then, and that's why we're so big in ad tech, because for ad tech, that transaction mm-hmm. uh, when you put out a bid to get a particular space, I mean, you're talking, you know very, very fractional seconds, hundreds of milliseconds. So yeah, those are the types of things that we do. That's, that's, that's really exciting. That's, uh, it's, it's fascinating. I think about a lot of the, uh, my background's actually in engineering and then we're working with project management and then going into agile and so forth. But that's fascinating how you talk about um, ways to make big data, like go fast, basically, yeah. and, and figure that out. Because companies like Wayfair, I mean, they, I don't know what their inventory thing uh, or their number of SKUs they have, but it's got to be a lot. And to be able to go through all that based on customer behavior, real time, interacting with their application, right. that's, a, that's a pretty powerful business engine behind the scenes. So that's really exciting that um, we all, we're all walking around with our cell phones and we have some aerospike technology on our cell phones, but nobody knows because it's, it's the <laughs> wizard behind the curtain. Right, exactly. And it's probably not on your phone, but it's definitely yeah. being utilized by the people who have those those applications, 100%. Right, right. Exactly. That's uh that's fantastic. Well, as we as we uh as we I have a couple more questions as we as we get toward um as we wrap up the podcast here. And um one is um talking about leadership in the space. You know, you've been in industry uh for a little while and I'm just curious, what are what are, what do you think are three areas or three tips that you have for leaders who are listening to this podcast or viewing this podcast? What are three tips that you have for someone? And when I say leadership, it could be as simple as someone who's 
in their career and they want to get it to a better place, right? They want to become uh, a stronger leader in the workplace. And, you know, what are some tips that you have for those people? Yeah, I think, you know, to me, leadership is really about being able to one that you've, you've got a vision um, of where you're looking to go, what you're looking to accomplish, and being able to get others to see that vision and buy into that vision and want to participate in that vision. Um, those are those are critical. Um, some of the other things that I I, I think are, are important is having that customer focus. So many of the organizations in in our industry focus on the technology. We talk speeds and feeds, bits and bytes, um, how great, how cool the technology we have is. Um, that's that's great, but really, what's of more value and more impact? is being able to put that in the customer's terms. So being able to think customer first, how does this impact the customer? What kind of value are we driving for the customer? And not only being able to do that in your marketing activities, but to do that throughout the organization so that it's all the way back through the engineering team thinking, what is it that our customers need? How can we provide that? As opposed to some engineering organizations work on, hey, this is kind of cool. This is neat. I want to do this. Well, that's great. Think customer first. And I've even seen you know people talk about um, taking that customer focus even into finance. Take it throughout all your organization into the finance. When you send out a bill, what what is that experience like for a customer? How is it? What's that? experience like for a customer to work with your company. And so to me, that's one of the big things that I think, you know, a true leader, they have that vision, but they're also thinking customer first. That's fantastic. You're bringing up some uh, really good uh, points about that. And, you know, you mentioned vision, customer focus, and even, even a customer experience. And I think about this all the time, being an agile coach, I work with a lot of teams and leaders and organizations. and um, it's very easy for the larger companies. You mentioned you went from a hundred thousand person company, IBM, to you know a smaller company, Aerospike. Uh, I what I've seen in industry, I don't know if you've seen the same, but the larger the company, the easier it is for them to lose customer focus when you're working on a team or you're inside there because you're sort of one person out of a hundred thousand, you know, and maybe your team is one team out of many thousand teams. You know, how close are you to the customer? How how easy is it for you to um, connect with the customer's experience? So I think I think it's great that you are you think from that perspective because I completely agree that if you're doing things to help make the customer's experience better, change their life, improve their uh, experience um, uh, day to day, uh, it's 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 a win for everybody. Everybody who's providing that for your company, for the partners that you're working with, uh, for the services being offered, and. Um, and it's it's more sticky, right? The customers want to keep using the services right. if it's if it's really benefiting them, right? Absolutely. And you know, I, years ago, I was working with a software company that did um, document ingestion. So you think about you fill out an application, you send it in, and, or fax it in, or you know, send it. I guess you don't fax anymore these days, yeah. but you did back then. You could fax it in, you could mail it in. And they would have people that would take and transcribe that document into a system. And, and our software had um, character recognition and other technologies that we could scan the document and input that into the system. That's such a back-end, back-office, as we like to say, type of application. But even looking at that, you take and translate it to the customer experience. 
And at the time, I was focused in on the insurance sector. And it was a very easy message. In insurance, you need to be able to be responsive to your customers. Because if you submit a claim and you're calling in and you're waiting on hold to talk with somebody about your claim and it's the fourth or fifth time you've called in and you've been waiting forever and you get you get bored. So what do you do now? You open up your browser and you start looking at other insurance companies. And before that person even comes on, you can have a new insurance policy ready to go. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, the life is just different right now and you have to have that responsiveness. So even being able to take those back office processes and turn them into what's that mean for the customer really helps to demonstrate value for for the organization and for your product. I love that. It's so true. And I've seen that in a lot of technology companies over the years. It's it's really important because you can always connect the dots. Sometimes they say, oh, I'm just working on this backend database system or whatever. I don't really talk to the customer. Well, what you're doing does connect back to the customer. So I love the way you explain that, Jeff. It's it's brilliant. There's always ways to get that customer feedback, to really understand the actions that you're taking, your team's taking, your partners are taking. How is that affecting the customer's experience, positive or negatively? Let's be right. honest and let's 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 get the real the real experience, the real data back. And that's one of the challenges that I try and help our partners with is to really understand uh, what it is the customer is looking to do. Uh, from a business standpoint, a um, few years ago when I was with IBM, I was going through the IBM sales school and there was a, a story that they told and I'll, I'll never forget. It was about um, one of the uh, seller had been selling an IBM solution into an organization. Um, first level people just went through the whole process, evaluated a number of companies, said, yes, this is the solution we want, sent it to an evaluation committee. The evaluation committee said, yes, this is the solution we want. And it was all a done deal, right? They sent it up to the CFO to, to sign off. The CFO rejected the solution. Wow. And instead of the piece of technology that IBM was selling, that money went towards carpets. Because the CFO of that bank said, we need to enhance the customer experience and renovating our offices, our facilities when customers come in is going to drive more value than it will doing this back end system. So again, you look and say, wow, man, I'm, I'm not just competing against other companies in my space. I'm competing for that dollar against carpets. <laughs> you know, I'm competing <laughs> against everything. So yeah, it's you really have to understand that business value of what you're looking to deliver. It's very true. It's very true. I love the way you describe that too, Jeff. And uh, as, as we wind up today, I just really want to say thank you so much for your, your insights and really explaining um, what your company does in terms of partner marketing, how you're adding value, how that relates to helping your partners grow and being very customer centric and people centric in the process. I really, I've learned a lot from this conversation and I know, I know our listeners are going to appreciate it as well. So thank you very much for your time and your, your insights today, Jeff. All right. Thank you for having me. 